Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Sue Tab, and today we will talk to a race relations expert about the recent events that have put a spotlight on our need for social justice reform. The death of George Floyd in police custody has sparked national outrage and protests that have focused the country's attention on racial inequality and the need for meaningful change. Here with us to talk about that important issue, the president of the Boston chapter of the NAACP, Tanisha Sullivan. Good morning, Tanisha. Good morning, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And I want to first say, how are you during this time? Are your family safe? Everybody good? You know, we are as well as we can be. Yes. Uh, You know, this has been, goodness, you know, 2020 has has been a a rough road, whether we're thinking about the COVID-19 pandemic, the, the health crisis, the economic crisis, and as you mentioned now, um, what we're seeing uh, front page news across the country, um, the uprisings related to uh, cries for racial justice. It has been quite a 2020 already. It has, and I'll tell you, I mean, to say it's a complicated time is just a gross understatement. As you mentioned, you know, not only are we dealing with, you know, a nation that's protesting systemic racism, but we're doing it through the lens of a worldwide pandemic. You know, we're still trying to manage that. Um, Anxiety is high. I think some people are angry. How is your organization, the NAACP, managing that tensions that we can sort of keep our focus on the issues? Yeah. So first, I I think it's really important for us to acknowledge, um, particularly, um, you know, as we're seeing in response to not just the George Floyd um, killing, but also let's remember there was Ahmaud Arbery, you know, Mm -hmm. earlier uh, in the month of May, many of us, um, you know, saw that as well, the video from that killing where a young man, young black man was simply jogging in his neighborhood. Um, and then there was Breonna Taylor. Yes. Um, and then in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and then there was um, Christian Cooper, which was a, a different incident, but certainly um, one that also amplified Um, really uh, the racism that exists in our society, Christian Cooper in New York City in Central Park bird watching, and he is threatened with a phone call to the police. Actually, a phone call to the police was made, you know, saying that an African-American man was threatening the life of a white woman. And, you know, and then we see, um, all of us see um, the killing of George Floyd, those eight minutes and 46 seconds. If that 
did not invoke rage and outrage mm-hmm. uh, through your body, then I, I just I don't know what to say because right. what we all saw truly was a, the humanity of of someone literally being disregarded, um, literally being taken away. Um, right in front of our eyes. And so that absolutely has sparked outrage. That absolutely has sparked uh, anger, disappointment, grief, um, all of it. Um, And what I'm very hopeful about, though, in this moment is that, you know, probably for the first time in our nation's history, what we're seeing is universal outrage, (laughs) universal, you know, anger and grief. And what we're seeing in cities and towns across the country are people from all different backgrounds, not just black people, but white people and Latinx folks and AAPI people, um, people of men and women, intergenerational, taking to the streets and saying, enough. Um, We really need to, as a nation, um, finally address um, systemic racism. And it's, and, and too, it's far beyond simply, um, you know, policing reform. You know, this impacts um, education and education reform. We know that uh, there are deep racial um, achievement and opportunity gaps in public school systems and in, and in school systems, generally yes. speaking, mm-hmm. um, across the Commonwealth. Um, the data is very clear. We know that, you know, through the, the COVID-19 pandemic, the deep health disparities, racial health disparities that exist in terms of access to quality health care um, for people of color and specifically black people, you know, these, I think what's really important is that people don't, um, in this moment, yes, we are all very upset we are all calling for change, but it's really important that we don't allow it to just begin and end with policing reform. If we're truly going to tackle systemic racism, if we truly are going to bring about freedom, justice, and equality for all people in this country, then we've got to stick to it and, um, and make sure that we are trying to dismantle racism in all of our systems. I love that you say that, and it, um, it makes me think of an article I read that said, it's not enough to be not racist, but you should be anti-racist. In other words, the yeah. latter meaning that you're being proactive in making sure that everybody is treated equally. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I, that is such an important point. And I hope that people, I hope people can hear it in this moment because, you know, it's something that has been said for quite some time. This is not about, you know, being a good person Um, It's not about, you know, being someone who, you know, uh, doesn't, quote unquote, discriminate. Um, It it really is about being, um, as you said, and as as we've seen, anti-racist. It really is about being an ally and recognizing that ally is a verb. There is there is that you've got to do something because sitting on the sidelines and simply being a quote-unquote good person allows for bad actors to Mm -hmm. have free reign, right? And so what we see is in situation, I mean, we can use the George Floyd um, killing as an example. We all saw, we've seen um, multiple videos from multiple angles, broad daylight, um, this, um, this, this killing happened. What I'm struck by 
in addition to uh, George Chauvin and the um, and the three other officers' involvement, were the number of bystanders. Yeah. You know, the number of bystanders who I'm sure would, you know, if you were to ask them today, would say they think that they're good people and their friends and their family probably say they're really good people. But good people do bad things every day. Mm-hmm. And so if if we want to truly, you know, if, if, if people want to truly be a part of dismantling systemic racism throughout our society, then it is going to require people to do something. And that's going to look different for everybody. Look, not everyone needs to be or wants to be on the protest line. But, you know, think about the legislation that will be coming before our state house or, or before um, city councils or select boards across the Commonwealth. You can call your elected official and simply say to them, you know what? I don't like what I'm seeing. I believe that we need to dismantle systemic racism, and I want to know what you're doing about it. You can call your elected official and say, you know, I understand that there's a use of force bill that has been filed, um, and I want you to know that I'm in support of a use of force bill. So there are ways that you can use your voice um, and not, necessarily be on a protest line right and quite frankly to what i would say is that in many respects if you're protesting and that's all you're doing then you should really consider you know what your next step is going to be to make sure that your protesting is not in vain right because the goal here is to um is to change laws, is to change policies, um, so that, again, all people um, have the opportunity to fully benefit from, um, you know, the prosperity that certainly we've seen um, in the Commonwealth. Um, so can we actually, and on that point, I know you didn't ask, but but I, but I want to talk about it. Yes, oh, <laughs> please do. Is- I love that. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm going to get my points in no matter what. Go. <laughs> Because, you know, it's an opportunity to talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter. Yes. And I know that there's been a lot of, you know, over the years, you know, there's been a lot of uneasiness um, and, and in some respects rejection of um, of Black Lives Matter, that statement. Right. Um, and people will say, well, why isn't it all Lives Matter? Why is it just Black Lives Matter? Look, we absolutely um, believe that um, every person, every a person is 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 entitled to be treated with humanity, dignity, and respect. And in this country, we believe that every person um, should have the opportunity to freedom, justice, and equality. Right. But we also know that the history of our country and the data of our current state in this country shows us that not all people are able to fully benefit. Um, from all that this country has to offer. Not all people are um, treated equal in this country. And Mm -hmm. specifically, the data has been very clear that black people in this country um, have been disproportionately over and systemically over and over and over again left out. So when we say Black Lives Matter, it's really a rallying cry to say, look, we're part of this too. And you can't say that all people are created equal while at the same time having systems and structures that were designed to, in some respects, and in their implementation, 
um, keep black people out. Right. So Black Lives Matter really is a declaration that we're here too. Right. And it's understood that all lives matter. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. It is in, 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 in That's understood. I mean, people shouldn't make the difference. What we're saying is that, like you said, that the black lives the the data is showing that in some cases you guys aren't being treated equally and that's the that's where we have to focus our attention that's right and so when you look at you know um again whether you're looking at police you know police involved shootings or you're looking at education Mm -hmm. data or you're looking at health disparities consistently there is a racial thread um that runs through that and consistently what we see is that despite despite the best efforts and best intentions of our country Mm -hmm. um to be inclusive of all people black people are consistently left out and and consistently um you know have higher rates of um you know killings at the hands of law enforcement um they have black people have higher rates of um not accessing quality education in our public school system higher health disparity rates higher asthma rates right high like across the board so so yes. dismantling systemic racism really is meant to um get at the root of that and when we say Black Lives Matter, it's 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 a rallying cry. It's mm-hmm. a reminder that we're part of this too. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. Today we're talking to Tanisha Sullivan, the president of the Boston chapter of the NAACP, about recent events that have focused the nation's attention on the problem of racial inequality and the need for social justice reform. Let's get back to this very important conversation. Uh, I want to talk about the progress we have made or maybe the progress we, we haven't made. Do you feel like we are making progress, especially now? And why has it taken so long? You know, you talk about about the data the data is there it shows that we have a problem um are too many of us blind to it are we afraid to have the conversations we need to have what's been slowing us down in your opinion yeah so you know unfortunately we have not seen um the type of progress that we need to see we've seen glimmers Mm -hmm. um of 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 hope (laughs) over the past you know uh few decades um but we really haven't seen the type of transformation that we need to see and so on that point i do want to just remind folks that you know the civil rights act um of 1968 was just 52 years ago that's not a long time no and specifically right and so when you start to think about systemic change and dismantling systemic racism we're still very young as a nation on this journey um, and so here we are in 2020. I do think we're at a flashpoint where there is an awakening that is happening. Um, look, black people and uh, some of our allies have been in this fight for hundreds of years, right? Um, but as a nation, we are truly, many of us, just awakening to the, the reality that the 1968 Civil Rights Act didn't get rid of racism. Right. Um, and so with that, I think this moment presents a very uh, a, a rich opportunity for us to be more assertive in um, bringing about uh, legislative change and policy change that is needed to accelerate um, the dismantling of systemic racism. So what does that look like? 
Um, you know, policing reform is going to be probably one of the first areas where we focus because yeah. um, of just what's going on across the country. Um, and so when we think about uh, decertification um, of, of law enforcement, it's important for people to know that the, that Massachusetts is only one of six states in the country that does not have a process through which um, a member of law enforcement um, can be decertified, can lose their license to be um, a member of law enforcement. So what does that mean? Derek Chauvin, the police officer that was involved with the uh, George Floyd killing, he yeah. had upwards of 19 19 I saw his, that I right? saw that and, and is that public information and how does exactly. all that work yeah exactly so 19 and Ugh. still on the fourth yeah what we're trying to do here in Massachusetts is institute a process whereby not only will that information be available publicly to um, but also an officer like uh, Derek Chauvin um, we're trying to put into place um, a process by which he or she would lose their license. So they wouldn't be able, they would be licensed and they could lose the license. So they wouldn't be able to, let's say, be involved in an incident in Malden, get fired there, and then go to Lemonster and get a job as a law enforcement officer. Right. Right? Right. So, um, so we're hopeful that, that we will see that um, uh, legislation passed um, here in the Commonwealth. We're also hopeful that cities and towns, municipalities across the Commonwealth will take a very close look at implementing civilian review boards with subpoena power. So it allows for residents um, to be involved in um, reviewing incidents of misconduct um, by members of law enforcement. Um, and the other piece I want to mention, Sue, is, again, when we start talking about these types of reforms, people, you know, get a little antsy because we all have members of law enforcement in our family yep. and we love them and they're and they are good people. Right. right. Um, this is not about um, those members of law enforcement who every day put their lives on the line and are truly committed to protecting and serving our communities. This is not about the police officers, the members of law enforcement um, who do the right thing. Um, this is about rogue police officers. This is about bad actors. This is about racist individuals who wear the badge um, and making sure that our law enforcement is not co-opted by those individuals and that we have a process and processes by which um, those individuals can be rooted out because that will help to strengthen public safety. It will also create a better culture within law enforcement institutions for those folks who are doing the right thing and want to do the right thing. Yeah. You, Tanisha, have a law background. You're a lawyer. Uh, you're a very accomplished person. You've had a great career. Um, and so you're, of course, um, more privy to what legislation's going on and things like that. How can the average person stay educated as to what's going on so that they can be proactive? What can we do to help uh, understand the issues at hand? Great question. Um, a few things. One, um, at the state house level and also in every municipality, um, elected officials must post publicly anytime they're going to have a hearing on any topic. That is a matter of law. Okay. Um, and so I would encourage people um, to visit their local 
um, government's website to see what hearings are coming up. What are your city councilors talking about or your select board members talking about? Um, and if there's something that you see of interest, I encourage people to attend um, those hearings or those meetings and to sign up and testify. Each of us as um, residents in the Commonwealth have a right um, to speak, um, you know, and to share with our elected officials, you know, our thinking and our position. So I encourage people to do that. Same at the, at the State House. In addition, there are many organizations across the Commonwealth that are doing great work um, as it relates to racial justice and social justice. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, um, the NAACP is the oldest civil rights organization in the country um, uh, with a mission to eliminate racial discrimination, but there are many others. And so I encourage people to, con if you're new, especially if you're new to this, um, plug in with an organization. Um, plug in with um, an organization that can help you kind of knowledge up and learn more about the issues, but also can serve, you know, where there will be other individuals who can partner up with you um, to attend some of the community meetings or the oh, that's a great um, idea. legislative hearing. Oh, I love that idea. For somebody who's maybe feeling like they need, you know, they want a little bit of guidance. Yes. Absolutely. A lot of organizations out there doing good work. And so um, it, it, it and I and again, for those who are new and just learning, um, maybe you just you've attended your first protest. Um, uh, finding finding a local organization, um, I think, is, is very, very helpful. Yeah. And um, we only have a few minutes left, believe it or not. This has gone by so quickly. I have so much more I want to talk to you about. But um you know, we call this program Exceptional Women. You certainly fit the profile. What are you most proud of in terms of what you've been able to accomplish during your tenure at the NAACP? And, and maybe what do you hope for um, in the in the near future to see? Yeah, I think what I have been very intentional about in my leadership is building coalitions and trying to create um, a culture within the NAACP Boston um, where people from all backgrounds can, can feel and be welcome um, to, to join us in this fight because it truly is a fight when we talk about racial justice. Um, the, our systems, you know, are hundreds of years old and tackling racism means that we are really tackling and dismantling very old systems. Yeah. And so We've been intentional about creating coalitions um, and strengthening coalitions that are incredibly diverse. And, and, I'm, and I'm very um, pleased um, that we can count um, many uh, people and organizations among our allies. Can you tell me, just before we finish up, if people are interested in learning more about the NAACP, your initiatives, or they want to, you know, get involved in any way, tell them how to do that. Absolutely. You can visit us at NAACPBoston.com. That's NAACPBoston.com. Um, we're also on Twitter at BostonNAACP1911. Um, or folks can email us at info at BostonNAACP.org. 
Awesome. Wow. Tanisha, thank you so much. You gave us perspective and thoughtful insight and provided us with so much information on the progress and initiatives being developed um, with the goal, of course, of eliminating racism here in Boston and beyond Massachusetts and in America. Uh, Your work's critical in getting us there. We support your efforts and the efforts of all your colleagues and all those working toward this goal. So thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. Thank you, Sue. You've been listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. It is our honor and privilege to shine a light on the change makers and to provide a platform for people who are out creating meaningful change in our communities. Thank you for paying attention. We appreciate it more than you know. I'm Sue Tab, and along with my co-host and producer, Kendra Petroni, we'd like to invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 730 for another edition of Exceptional Women. Have a great day, everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.